You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, episode 307. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Seth Miller today. Foz is uh, taking a nap, I think, somewhere on the Van Wick. <laughs> I believe it's the New Jersey Turnpike. Thank you very much. Uh, what are you doing this fine evening? Are you staying cool there in uh, New Hampshire? Keeping it cool, man, like the Fonz. <laughs> now, nah, the weather finally broke. It's, you know, proper high of like 80 and sunny and low in the mid 50s. It's gorgeous here, finally. Yeah, we're supposed to get a, a heat wave. We're supposed to get like 90s next week. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but I guess uh, I we get it you know, 10 days later. Yes, days later. something like that. Um, but I'm drinking an American Light Lager from Sasquatch Brewing. Uh, oh, it's uh, you guys get any, you get beers other than IPAs from your local brewery. Oh yeah, and I know the producer would be very angry because he is an IPA man. But uh, our non IPA beers are actually very good. The two or three that I found here that are both non IPA and non sours, yep. because apparently that's the only other thing that people here like to make. Um, the handful I found have been very good, but good lord, are they difficult to locate? Yeah, you know, I, I, there's a few breweries where I, I visit and I'm like, okay, this this place can make some good beers, and I usually judge that by whether or not they can make an ESB. Or like okay. a Scottish ale, or something yeah, like, a re- like a red. Yeah, like something like classic. That's that's not an IPA. Because I I hate to say this, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack. An IPA is not a skill beer to me. Like it is not a skill beer to make. You just throw some hops and you, you, you overpower a flavor. Exactly. Yeah, punch them in the face with something really bright, um, and that's not skill to me. So if I can find someone who's doing an English ale or Scottish ale really well, uh, I'll stick with that place. So yeah, I love an amber or a red ale. Yep, those can be so much fun. Yeah. Um, so we got some follow up from last week. Uh, Lufthansa first. So we were talking about us being worried about it disappearing with the 380s potentially going away. The only real plane left. 748. Uh, yeah. uh, so the 748s, we think they're going to stick around. But someone pointed out that the Lufthansa 333s, the Airbuses, have F on them. And I completely forgot about this. I thought they had all been converted. But I w- I'm wrong. Yeah. And I just I, – I don't know that I ever knew because I don't think about F very often. Well, I, I was just thinking about like I had thought that only planes with F were the 346, the, the 748s, and the A380s. That's, that's all I thought had F anymore. Yeah. Because they had, you know, anyway. But so we were wrong. We apologize. We admitted. So. Well, Stephen, in in light of this news, I'm afraid we're going to have to charge a change fee for the last episode. <laughs> let's let's talk change fees, shall we? I, I think we should implement change fees. Everyone else is getting rid of them when they zig, we zag. I think that's like the appropriate response to the industry. Uh, how, how does that work? Like we any time we make a decision and then change our mind, we, we put a coin in like the, the curse word bucket or something. I was thinking we'd make our listeners pay, but if we have to, I guess that's also cool. <laughs> We're going to build a wall and make our listeners pay for it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so this change fee thing, mm-hmm. United on Sunday dumped the news, which is weird in so many ways, yep. um, that they were going to get rid of change fees for revenue and award tickets. For revenue tickets, it's U.S. only. For award tickets, it's all tickets outside of 30 days. Uh, which is 30 days from date of travel making the change. So that's a shorter window or narrower window than it used to be, so good news. Um, but doesn't cover basic economy. 
Uh, about 22 hours later, roughly mid-afternoon when uh, Monday, Delta came out with a note saying that, as we mentioned in our December 2019 Investor Day, we've been considering ways to adjust our fee schedule. And we've decided that today is a good day to announce that we're getting rid of change fees on all of our domestic tickets as well. Yeah. Shocking that they just, you know, managed to come to that conclusion, you know, nine, eight months, uh, nine months later, coincidentally, it was 24 hours after United made its news. Um, go figure. And then American chimed in with a very similar policy. Uh, American is Sorry, Delta is similar to United, not exempting basic economy. American also not exempting basic economy, but like giving back some benefits on basic economy. So elites now can pick seats in advance and get upgrades on basic economy fares. So kind of ruining most of the punitive parts of what a basic economy fare is. But also you no longer earn uh, points or status on basic economy fares when this goes into effect. All this goes into effect in January. Uh, or the, for American, United is immediate. Actually, I think that's that's an interesting that's an interesting turn of events. Like, so now yeah. you can pick a the seat. basic economy shift is super weird. Yeah, so you can pick a seat. You, can you get upgraded? Yeah, and as an elite, you get the good like you get the legroom seat. So like, so, but well, but you don't but you, buy one? yeah, but you don't earn any miles. I mean, I mean, guess you don't earn any miles, and it's not changeable like the other ones will be. That's interesting. It's an interesting shift. That's a, and then yeah, <laughs> sorry, and then on Tuesday, Alaska. System-wide, which is basically uh, U.S. and Canada and Mexico, a couple Caribbean, I guess, or Latin America, but Central America, they've got a couple destinations, maybe. Yeah, they've got Costa Rica. uh, Yeah, I forget how far south they go. Anyway, um, so, you know, it's, you know, obviously one of the questions is when will JetBlue and Hawaiian match? Um, Will the others, Allegiant and Spirit and Frontier, will the Canadians even consider it? But also, like... uh, it's a lot to go through and think about. I'm trying to decide which one I think sort of is the best shift in plans. Well, to me, the American like, who did it best. Yeah, uh, the the weird one to me, this American thing with the basic economy thing. The reason it's weird mm-hmm. to me is the only incentive to buy the basic economy ticket for an elite at this point is the legroom and the cheaper fare. So if all you care about is is that, like how cheap the fare is, then yeah, it's great. Um, I think what they're trying to do is disincentivize people from doing that. You know, by not awarding elite status or miles, um, so the business traveler probably still wouldn't pick a basic economy ticket, and you know, mileage runners aren't going to pick the cheapest fare. Basically, um, yeah. I, I, if I was flying American right now, and I guess come next year I'll still have my gold status, which is useless, but I can pick a seat at time of booking. So yay! Um, I can't come up with a reason not to book basic economy, assuming we're in a position where I'm confident enough in my travel dates. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I, I sort of get it. Sorry. The other thing, and I believe all four of the airlines that changed uh, this week have matched on that is that is a huge difference from Southwest. Uh, is one basic economy is excluded for all of them, but two, if the fare is cheaper, you don't get your money back. Yeah, the fare difference, you don't get your money back. You don't get the money back, and I actually, I sort of understand why they do it. Right, money in their pocket is good news, but. I would argue that having, you know, 20 or $30 in a travel bank where you've had a good experience and remember that you got that refund induces you to book a second, book a new flight to use it. It induces you to book directly instead of through a third party, mm-hmm. which is better for their margins. There's a lot of good that comes with you've got this $10 or $30 or $50, whatever it is, effectively coupon to use, come spend $250 because of it. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can make a reasonably compelling argument um, that from a sort of marketing perspective, it's good for the 
cust- it, it's more sticky, as it were, for the customer to come back. Do you do you think so? Just thinking about this kind of out loud, I'm thinking about my own United account. With you have outstanding uh, balances, you have you know unused tickets that are sitting out there. Do you do you think it was actually wise to give people the opportunity to use those vouchers now uh, that may have expired in the next few months because they're really old, and now they're, the, these folks are going to be able to to change those tickets with no change fee, or do you think that's smart on their part? I'm a little confused which vouchers or which tickets you're talking about. There was so what what I'm saying is is like if you have unused vouchers for electronic travel certificates, so you canceled tickets before and you got issued an ETC. Yeah, they already gave it. They already put those like a two year extension on those. I thought. Oh yeah, or tr- one year extension. Tr- that's a good point. But let's talk about ones that maybe were before all this, before COVID, and before the the expirations. You know, you okay. you had one that was expiring maybe early next year. Um, that hasn't changed. Those are. I, yeah, it has. Oh, they really? updated the extension. Yeah, I had one. I had one that was supposed to expire in April of this past year, and they extended it. So okay, and it was issued the prior April. Okay, so, so. maybe I'm just I, I didn't realize that. I I just thought I had some of my account that are like expiring in you know March of next year. So. Yeah, that, so I think that's what it is. they they bumped everything out one year from the date they made that decision, which was in March. Okay, okay. Um, just because I was like, I've got this. I have, it's like an eight hundred fifty dollars voucher. I'm trying to figure out how to burn in the middle of the pandemic, and like, what do I do? And the answer was nothing. Um, and hope it's still there. Yeah, yep. yep. Um, so I mean, I, I, it seems like a it seems like a strange thing. Is this yeah. is, I, this is just to get people to book tickets at this point? Yeah, and so to your point about the vouchers, you know, is it good to keep extending them out? Yes and no. Again, if if they let them if they let them die, it's money off the liabilities off the books. But you also have upset customers that feel like they probably should have had a refund at some point or would have used the tickets because they were traveling and now can't travel. So, yeah, yeah through no fault of my own, this thing that I where I have placed money and I, I don't want to say invested because that's a bad use of the term. But this thing where I have deposited money no longer is going to let me have my money back yeah. or get value for that money. I hate them because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- it's Definitely a marketing decision. You know, honestly, and I, th- I sort of wrote this when talking about when United made the changes and never updated it for the others. But as you look at sort of share and even absolute numbers in terms of ancillary fees, uh, change fees are going down even as the price of them goes up. And part of that is the so many of the fares are less than the change fee mm-hmm. that people just throw it away. So you don't get the change fee and they just, you know, if I got a $200 change fee and my new ticket is $150, I just buy a new ticket. Yeah. And yeah. You, don't see, you don't see that as a change fee. You see it as a new revenue. But... Um, so that, that's part of it. Um, and part of it is just that, you know, the, the way people are buying tickets has shifted enough or the airlines have waivers for more things or whatever it is that, you know, it's a shrinking part of the overall revenue for the company or it was coming into this year. Obviously this year, everything's different. And then if you compound that with this year's everything, diff- everything is different. Mm-hmm. It almost makes sense to be like, well, if, if you're going to make a massive accounting change and have to, you know, track things differently going forward, you may as well do it against a year where the comps are all zeros, mm. right? Wall Street can't get too pissed at you for it because it was all zeros before. Like, how, ma- how much do we get in change fees in 2020? Zero. Mm. Almost literally zero because there's been a waiver out since like mid-February. Yeah. yeah. Mid-March, right? I mean... When you had literally nine and a half or ten months of waivers in place, you've got zero change fee accumulated. Why not see if maybe we can charge $10 extra per ticket or whatever it is, right? And so that's the other thing is when you look at sort of the average uh, ancillary revenue per customer, 
and how it breaks down in the different, like if it's bag fees, if it's food on board, if it's Wi-Fi, whatever you're paying for, I have to assume based on some, you know, sort of where I see the numbers at in, in aggregate and where the trends are, that it's probably on average less than $10 per passenger in change fees. If they think they can maybe eventually raise fares to cover that, mm. it might work out. Um, now, someone's going to say, well, just do both. Raise the fares anyways. But I mean, so really, so really what you're saying is the revenue that I mean, basically, the airlines just trying to generate revenue right now in the now. Yes. And show any cash is good. Yeah. And show that where and and because they're not going to be there's not going to be any change fees anyway because of covid and the waivers that are out there. Just make the change so that there is no change fees even after the fact, because it's the least amount of resistance you're going to receive from Wall Street um, and investors. I think that's got to be part of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. What do you think then about like so United saying on reward tickets? I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? Like because they they had a pretty, I would say, obnoxious policy of charging you a change fee out, on, outside of certain dates or inside of certain inside dates. of six. It used to be inside of 60 days. Yeah. So people that changed their award ticket because you know, they got sick or they decided they couldn't go or, you know, there was a civil war that United didn't recognize, whatever. They had to pay this change fee <laughs> yeah. To, to, yeah. to refund their own miles, basically. Right. Um, they've gotten rid of that. That was kind of an asinine thing to do, in my opinion. As an elite, I didn't have that problem. But right. I, I still think it, it punished people for trying to use a, 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 a thing on the books that, that United could, could basically write off. Yeah. So fee for making a change 61 days or more before departure was $75 for a general member. 50 25 for silver gold and then nil for platinums and 1ks and gs and then within 60 days everything went up 50 bucks um until you're 1k and it was still free uh so it and that's changing which it's actually surprising to me that they haven't updated the website on the change fees uh for the mileage tickets a little bit but anyway that doesn't happen until january right for them um, there was part i thought it was part of the I thought no. The standby rules change January first. Okay. So every that's the the other half of this whole thing that's interesting is that uh, free standby on United yep. is coming for all passengers. That used to be seventy five dollars, and same day change for all elites becomes free. Also, so, still the issue with you got to have the right fare class available and whatnot. But um, that's another chunk of you know potential ancillary revenue fees that's going to disappear. I. I have to say, I have seen it a couple times now, and one of our listeners mentioned to uh, us on Twitter DMs about uh, how employees are pissed at these changes because now they can't fly non-revs easily. They're worried that they're not going to be able to predict, you know, oh, there's 20 seats open, I'm sure I'll get on board, and then they'll get to the airport and find that 23 people tried to go stand by or same-day change to an earlier flight or later flight. Eh, I would like to, I'd like to see that play out. This is also something United can roll back pretty I think easily that the fact how many people know about it that are non elites know about you know standby some people do the fact that they don't have to pay for it is like a nice change yeah uh, I mean, at this point I also have to, half of me has to wonder like as sparse as the schedules are how many opportunities are there yeah exactly like there's one flight it, day it, Chicago it'll to all, Portland it'll all come yeah, <laughs> it'll all come back over time but you know. Some of it is, and also, like, listen, I, I like the few airline employees generally that I know in person and have interacted with. Uh, not all of them. Some of you I hate. So see if you so you can guess which group you're in. Uh, <laughs> but, um, like, sorry, you're, sorry your standby got a little more stressful, but, and I know that's part of your job and everything and, like, part of the compensation package, but also, like, passengers paying for tickets, I, I, I do feel like should have priority. So, yeah. That's because I am the passenger, I'm sure. In the other position, I might feel a little differently, but here we are. 
Um, so, I mean, let's talk about Delta and American Alaska a little more. They, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't really announce anything with standby or anything like that, right? Like, uh, not that I remember. Um, I, I, it got to be the point though that I sort of started skimming through them because like, yep, and another one. Mm. Yep, and another one. Um, yeah, looking through that. Uh, yeah, we should talk about how its impact on elites in the other. Uh, for the other, uh, for Alaska and JetBlue also, because that's an interesting challenge. Yeah. So for for Alaska with elites, right? That was like a big perk for no yeah. no change fees. That was like part of the selling uh, of being an elite with Alaska is like you don't have to pay a change fee for anything really. You just call up and if there's a change in fare, they'll refund you your you know the difference, yep. or you know they'll charge you a little more if it costs a little more, and you're done. Um, yep, Jet, and JetBlue does the same for its mosaics. Okay, so if that's is is Alaska now not going to give you the fare difference as, as part of this? Um, eliminate change fees on all domestic and international tickets uh, applies to all tickets except saver fares. Uh, that's all the press release says. I don't have the fact in front of me. So okay, interesting. Uh, I mean, if 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 they if they do it and and they you know now take the fare difference. It's, did they de- did they just devalue your super seventy five k whatever it's called? Yeah, I mean I, I, it's well it's a little bit MVP gold MVP gold I'm MVP gold seventy five k but yeah okay. it's a terrible name but anyway <laughs> uh, it's probably it's probably the worst elite MVP who says MVP MVP gold MVP gold seventy five k or the tier yeah, right yeah MVP gold seventy five k with a cherry on top I guess I wish they would just you know go with Aristana blue or something or whatever their, their name is. Um, so I, I assassin assassin. That's what it is. Yeah. Alaska assassin. I love it. New logos, all black. It's great. Um, we'll get Warner to design the cards for it. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's not a huge evaluation. However, it's one of those things where I'm used to, I'm as an elite, I'm used to just like calling up and changing my flight and not having to pay anything or getting the, the small, slight fare difference back where I think it's going to, it's going to tick people off a little bit. Um, and they have a big, Which, they have a big following. What's going to take people off? The fact that they don't get their fare difference back. If if oh, they don't, uh, I would assume that it doesn't change for the top tiers. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that your 75ks keep their existing policy, and it's the others that get the difference. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully, if it, if it, if you weren't, then I would I would be a little upset. Yes, agreed. Um, as far as JetBlue, how does it work? Did you get the fare difference? Do Mosaics get the fare difference back as well? Yeah, you get it in a travel bank account. Okay. Yeah. Um, they effectively refund the whole ticket to a travel bank and reissue it, and as the new ticket, and you know, and debit the travel bank for the purchase. I think the general feel I got on Twitter today, I just was kind of browsing it, and you know, kind of this news came out the last few days uh, with United and now Delta and American um, and Alaska today. The general feeling is pretty high by people. They're they're really excited about this. Um, one comment I saw, it kind of cracked me up. was like, all right, now get rid of bag cha- baggage fees and we'll be, we'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do have to give Southwest some credit, uh, for having fun with all the other airlines on social media being like, Hey guys, still got a couple too many asterisks on this policy. Like <laughs> some fares, try all of them. No, really you can do it. Uh, <laughs> oh man. I don't know. Did you, I don't know if you saw, saw Delta posted a bunch of, uh, rather amusing, uh, in a set of pictures with like places you can visit and it was horribly named beautiful parts of nature like desperation mountain or something like that oh yeah we, we have a uh, starvation creek out here that's the nah, best they missed that one that's the big one <laughs> it's like every time i drive by it, i'm like who's going there they tell you you're gonna starve anyway um 
Someone clearly did there at some point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how it got its name, yeah. to be honest. And it's on the Oregon Trail, so you're like, ooh, that's... Mm, that's. Do they die of dysentery or starvation? It's very hard to die. <laughs> um, we, got, we got Happy Valley, Mount Disappointment. Happy Valley's Poo-poo here. Poo Point. Is it Happy Valley, yeah. Oregon? Yeah. No, it's the one in Sacramento. Oh, okay. Bowl of Tears okay. outside of Aspen. Okay. Yeah, they've got a couple of good ones. Anyway. Um, they all look beautiful. That's funny. So, Anyways, yay, no change fees. Um, it does... Uh, I, it'll be interesting to see. I don't... I don't think that's enough to tip the needle in terms of new push and new purchases is ultimately what it comes down to, though. Yeah. Right. If that's what they're trying to do, I don't think it works. But yeah. we'll see. And, and while we're on the subject, I just want to talk about United. You know, you, you, you put some of the notes about United using new tech to cancel flights with less than 30 percent loads. What are they using? Math? Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> so, right. That's part of the joke is like, what is the new, <laughs> new fancy technology? Like, <laughs> someone can count to. <laughs> whatever the number is yeah um it's a gate agent clicking a little clicker as people get on the plane (laughs) yeah the the idea is that they try to advance cancel and rebook people okay um so part of it is how how lightly booked is the flight and then if we have to rebook and accommodate uh where can we push them to so it's a little more complicated um in figuring out where the stuff goes but you know where the people go but yeah it's pretty straightforward stuff like and they're hardly the only ones doing this uh, there's definitely a, you know, we, we heard, I think it was uh, JetBlue, Scott Lawrence, who runs their revenue network stuff, was was on one of the earnings call recently saying, like, we, we scrub the schedule, you know, a few weeks out and then a few days out. And if there's flights that aren't going to make us money, we cancel them. Mm. And they, I mean, they look at the turn. You know, oh, there's a lot of out and backs right now rather than sort of conf- convoluted route, uh, routing patterns for the aircraft and the crew. So it's easier. But, yeah, they are happy to do that sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, with with the way flights are going now, I mean, I think part of what United's done is try to just cut back on the front end, right? So stop the flying at its source. So you know, we're going to cut back Houston-Portland as an example, right? That flight doesn't exist right now. Portland-Newark yeah. doesn't exist. Um, so everything requires you to go through Chicago, San Francisco, Denver. Um, right there, you're creating more than hopefully 30% you know, loads because people have to connect to get where they're going. So – I don't know. I, I I just thought it would make a funny joke about what are they doing, <laughs> but yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, listen, anything to sort of you know if they can do, if they can do right by the customers well enough and still not burn you know extra fuel for no good reason and have to pay people like I, there's. I have immense sympathy for the people that are about to lose their jobs next month. Uh, we're, th- we're September 1st. We're 30 days away from an absolute uh, employment disaster in the industry in the United States. I have a ton of sympathy for those people. Um, I I have certainly reasons and people I would like to blame other than the airline management in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But right at the, at the end of the day, like flying empty planes isn't good. Yeah. It's not good for the businesses. It's not good for the employees. It's not good for the environment. It's not good for consumers. It's, it's just not good. And so... I, it sucks. I mean, my, my business is shit also, yeah. but because it's too much of it's travel related, but here we go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is, you know, one question I kind of had that I hadn't really thought about was, you know, corporate uh, travel agents um, or even travel agents in yeah. general. Uh, that's something I don't really see talked about much, but corporate travel agents must be crapping themselves over this because, yeah. because I mean, that is a segment that is not going to recover in this year. Clearly. Maybe not into recover. next year. It's not going to recover next year. Yeah. It's not going to recover next year. Yeah. And so now you're looking at 2022. How do you stay alive as a as a big business? I mean, I hope you, you – I guess hope you get bought by somebody. I don't know. You know? Um, it's 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 crazy. I, I was just – I mean, I wouldn't mind to see our corporate travel agent go under, but whatever. Um, 
<laughs> I just don't like them. But I think in a, in general, I think it's going to it's going to really change the landscape of, of business travel in the next two years because of these companies going out of business or consolidation and what they're going to have to charge businesses to stay afloat uh, for corporate bookings. Um, I mean, their, their, their fees are probably going to have to go up, right? I would think. Uh, or they're going to have to find more money from the companies, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. From the airlines, right? They don't pay the commissions. Yeah, so. yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, you posted a link to probably the most interesting bus trip I've ever seen, and one that I don't know that I want to take. It is the bus to London, and it it leaves India from India. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's to, to London isn't that big a deal. Like if you know you start in Manchester, it, it takes seventy days. Seventy seven zero starts in Delhi. You stop along the way. Yeah, you visit a lot of cool places. Yeah, I will give you that. I like how it just like goes from Kazakhstan basically to Moscow. It's like, yeah, we're not stopping anywhere between. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, India, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, China, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Russia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, the Czech Republic, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, France, finally to the United Kingdom. I'm guessing it uses the channel train for that. It's going to have to. I, well, it could be a ferry. I don't know. Yeah, they put it on a boat, <laughs> strap it in. I, actually, I don't know. If, I don't remember what uh, the channel trains can handle in terms of vehicle size, but I imagine there's probably buses that go through. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I mean, you get to it's it's one of the interesting parts to me is in uh, Uzbekistan, you're, you're going to visit Bukhara, Tashkent and Samarkand um, in Uzbekistan, which I think is kind of awesome. Yeah, I really still want to go visit that part of the world. It's one of these days. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy place to get to um, flight wise. Uh, and it's a, probably a pretty intimidating place language wise um, and just general travel around it wise. Um, but. This is fascinating. This is going to start in May of 2021. I'm assuming if COVID is finally under control, uh, maybe. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. Um, it, it's interesting. I mean, and the company, for what it's worth, has a uh, serious history of running bus tours and other road tours. So uh, if you go look at the sort of company behind it, they do things like uh, sort of uh, like that Uzbek bid or like the, the stands, if you will. Yep. Like 14-day sort of guided drive tour where everybody gets their own car, like a rally drive. Everybody's in their own car, but you caravan, convoy your way through the countries. Yeah. I just like that's that, a neat way to do it. I just like that it goes the wrong way. Like, they didn't want to start this in Thailand. They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're going to take this. No, we start, we're going to start in India, head east for like three or four weeks before we turn around and come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, this is, I mean, it's just in India. So I've been watching, I've told you this before, I've been watching Amazing Race. And they were in Lucknow, India. And that looks like a fascinating place in India. Just uh, kind of less um, chaos uh, compared to Delhi or uh, Mumbai, um, but, yeah. but still like a, an excursion in India. Um, but then they're going to go to Bagan, uh, Yangon, Tak. I mean, it, there's just a ton to see on this. And I'm yeah. I'm guessing you're going to, it looks like you have multiple days over certain destinations, basically. So like yeah. Volgograd, you got like three days in Volgograd. You've got four days in Moscow, um, two days in Samarkand. Um, just, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of fascinated by this. I don't know if I can take 70 days off. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's sort of a catch 22 at this point. Like if if the, if the world doesn't recover, I might, you know, we might not have a choice, but also uh, might not be able to go and do it because the world hasn't recovered. Exactly. Exactly. So the bus looks pretty nice. They look like uh, old school Singapore Airlines business class seats on the bus. Uh, yeah, they, they, they did it up. It's not this is not your standard Greyhound. Yeah, that's for sure. One, two seating. Um, I'm guessing there's a decent lab somewhere on this thing. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm. I, I was. I. I didn't look at this fully. I intentionally did not look at this uh, before the show, so I could kind of be surprised. Uh, and I'm. I'm pleasantly surprised, actually. All right. I'm gonna have to download the brochure now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, did, I didn't actually check if they had a price point on it listed. Yeah, it doesn't have a price point. I want to see. I got to put my email in. Oh, I don't want to do that right now. I'll do that later. But yeah, they got USB ports. You know, spacious room, private locker with each seat. I mean, yeah, it, it really doesn't seem that bad to me. That's the kind of ridiculous part, especially since you get to spend a couple. Like, I'm assuming you don't have to spend every night on the bus. Like, you can get a hotel if you want to. Ha- Certainly, if the if the bus isn't leaving, uh, that's your choice. Yeah, and hope and hopefully, you know, people are taking showers. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so fascinating stuff. I would love to hear our listeners' thoughts on this. You know, what I'd really love to hear. I'd love to hear Stefan's thoughts on this because this seems like something oh. something he would do. Yeah, but it doesn't involve a scissor hub, so he might not. <laughs> Stefan. He might not be into it. Stefan, if you're listening, we want to hear your thoughts. So anyway, um, next up, I, I posted this story, and it's about a new plane, uh, the bullet plane. And yes. it is a, a new design uh, by a company called Solera. And uh, Auto Aviation is the company. Solera 500L is the aircraft. Oh. I got this wrong. I got this wrong earlier, so I have to. Gotcha. Share my wisdom. So, auto auto aviation is the the, the actual manufacturer of the aircraft. Um, auto O T T O, like uh, the character from Airplane the movie. Yes. Um, so it's it's an interesting looking plane. It looks like a bullet, um, and it. So the shape is supposed to improve laminar flow and reduce drag. It's supposed to be much more aerodynamically efficient than legacy designs. Yep. Uh, is the reason the bullet shape supposedly works. Yep. Um, Cruises at like 450 miles an hour for up to 4,500 miles, yep. which is neither the fastest nor the longest range by any stretch. But the the sort of the money shot, as it were, is 20 miles to the gallon. It's like an order of magnitude more fuel efficient than anything else. Private flying at it, 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 close to those speeds, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think the cost per hour is around 328 dollars. Is what they estimate, um, and, a, and a, a typical private jet is around a thousand to three thousand dollars per hour. So. Uh, a lot of savings, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, and, it, and six first class seats on board, or you know, one point eight eight meter tall cabin, so a six foot tall cabin, you can sort of stand up inside. Yep. Right. So it's not super cramped like a Cessna, like a little two hundred eight or whatever. Yep. Or the two aren't even that small, and, but like you know, and you can and you can th- yeah. and you can thank the design, right? The oval kind of the bullet shape of it, because that shape gives it more height in the middle, right? Where you stand up. And I'm, I'm sure they ha- they've you know dropped the floor down a little from the midpoint and all those things, but like. Here's the thing, like, at those price points, if I can, you know, at $350 an hour to fly, if I can, you know, if I could get one at that price point, and it was me and my wife, like, you start to get into, and I could fly from, uh, you know, from me, if I could fly from Portsmouth to the airport in Florida closest to my parents and not have to drive an hour and a half when I land. Yep, it's a game changer. You know, is it is it exactly the right price? No, at those speeds, we're looking at a three-hour flight, so I'm looking at a 1000 bucks each way. It's definitely still more expensive than commercial. Um, from here to New York, it probably isn't, though. Well, and, and you have to think about it. It's you and your wife on the plane. Right. So a thousand bucks. You know, it, it, for just two of us, it's not a great deal. If it was four of us, it would be. Yeah, yeah. If I had kids or like my sister and her three kids, her husband and three kids were going to Florida yep. and they were, they're an hour and change closer than we are. It'd be a bargain for them. Yeah. They do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, and the fact that you could technically, you know, leave on your own, you leave on your own schedule. Right. You know, it's, that's the, that's the beauty of private aviation is, yeah. you know, leaving. There's just one problem. What's that? 
It doesn't really exist. It's not certified. I mean, it exists. They've done test flights with the model, but it's not certified, and they need a whole lot of money to get to certification. Yeah. That's why this came out now, because they're trying to d- drum up funds for the next round for certification work. Gotcha. Sad. Oopsie. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Hi, my name is Seth. I'm known as Buzzkill. You definitely have killed the buzz, Mr. Seth. <laughs> definitely. Sorry. No, I, I think it's cool. Um, certainly the price point and what they're talking about is a game changer if they can pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, if, if they, they're going to change the face of private aviation if they can get this thing through. That's really the, the, the truth. So, um, What else do I have on the list? Oh, uh, jetpack dude. Yeah, so I'm sure everyone has. We're recording this on Tuesday. I'm sure everyone has heard already about this man who hasn't been identified, as far as I know, uh, being reported as flying alongside jets in the approach pattern for LAX. Not alongside, like super close, but close enough where they could see him and they could tell he was in a jetpack. Yeah, I mean, the guy's asking for a Darwin Award, really. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I saw some interesting things like there's one commenter uh, who works in the industry um, and so knows a lot of the stuff. It was suggesting that he probably the person probably couldn't get to 3000 feet, which I think is where they were spotted, um, given the current state of t- the technology on jetpacks and fuel capacity and things like that. Um, but then I also remember that in Dubai, they did a like jetpack formation flight with an A380 a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And it probably wasn't at 3,000 feet, but they were certainly up there for a decent amount of time flying around. Um, there was also a report suggesting that there's a couple different types of sort of ultralight aircraft that, especially at night in the dark, would probably have enough of the structure vanish mm. that it might look like, I think someone said like a mosquito, someone called, was one of them, Okay, um, might look like that. I I don't know. Um, maybe it was a plastic bag that they called a drone. <laughs> I mean, that's happened before. Um <laughs> It's definitely bizarre. It is. It is very weird. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, listen, skip to private jet and just commute in your uh, jet pack. I mean, I'm a little surprised that, like, I, I would need to look at the approach for LAX and see which frequency they would have been on. I'm guessing it was, like, LA Center or something like that. Uh, I'm surprised no one saw it on radar and saw it as, like, an un- unidentified, you know, you know, aircraft on splotch. Yeah. Like, yeah. like how, I guess how big does something have to be before it shows up on radar? Yeah. I mean, if it's just a guy, are they picking that up? If it's just one of these small aircraft, are they just, is it just too small? Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's the, that's weird to me. Um, not saying it's a UFO. I mean, it is technically a UFO cause it's unidentified, but I'm not saying it's like from <laughs> outer space. I'm just saying it's, uh, you know, it's weird. I'm saying it's alien. Yeah, I'm not, it's, it's not aliens. aliens. <laughs> I'll take a picture. Please make that the photo for this episode. <laughs> aliens. Uh, anyway, yeah. I may use the Phil Derner version of it because, you know, <laughs> that's even more fun. Um, so 787s, there's a manufacturing flaw and they're kind of getting like a, what we would what we think of in the, the car world as a, as a recall, right? Uh, a handful of them so far. I think eight are grounded so far. Um, there's some suggestion that a couple American newest uh, 787s aren't being delivered because of this now. Mm. Um, unclear if that's actually true, but, you know, deliveries are delayed. Uh, What's the actual flaw? There's a gap between the rear pressure bulkhead and the fuselage. Interesting. Okay. I think. Um, or the way it's... There's something about the way the... Two fuselage sections are joined that creates a gap that didn't that wasn't sealed correctly or something and like and fixing it isn't easy. Um, but it is definitely something where Boeing fig- found out that there was you know variance in the manu- in the manufacture of that subsection and immediately pulled the planes out of service. So wow, um, I mean, they, yeah, they, they just cannot catch a break, can they? 
No. I mean, I, I t- and for anyone, and for people curious, this is not, it's, it happens in Charleston, but it's at a separate, it's not at the foul, it's not the assemb- final assembly line, it's at a manufacturing facility in Charleston. So, you can't blame it on the Charleston final assembly line, but you can't blame it on Charleston, I guess. <laughs> so, what, what I would say is, the good news is, is that the aviation, for the most part, these issues are being caught before there's an incident. But yeah. We can talk about Max, that's a separate thing, but... I think that's where we are in aviation today is that there's a bit more of a stringent procedure when something is found. And again, I think the max is a uh, divergence, an exception. an exception to that. Yeah. And a, a divergence from that norm. Um, but this is an example of, of that happening where the company takes responsibility, pulls the planes and figures out a, a way forward. And, and that's the way it should be really, you know, it's, yeah. this isn't, this isn't, you know, you know, we're seeing uh, stress cracks, stress fractures in metal and the 1950s and, you know, planes are going down every three weeks because of it. Yeah. So, um, right. every three weeks would be a big improvement. I was just reading a book, um, which now I can't remember the name of, so I'll have to plug it next week, uh, about the history of, uh, Zeppelins versus essentially, uh, Pan Am as both were launching in, you know, the turn of century era up through the thirties and forties into world, you know, pretty much into like up until, yeah, like into world war two mm-hmm. or right before world war two and how it's sort of like the rise and fall of Zeppelin and the Hindenburg against the backdrop of, uh, airplanes also developing at the same time. And it was like, like a crash every other day <laughs> early on. I mean, and obviously like, cause everything was completely unregulated. Yeah. But, and, and it's like it's like an experiment every time you take off. Yeah, it's and the, and then they got regulators out there, and the regulators didn't know how to regulate what they were doing. They're like, uh, "This doesn't look safe," and people are like, "Why not?" And he's like, he like cut open the skin, like the fabric on the wing. He's like, "Look, it cut." <laughs> like right, because you stuck a knife in it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, didn't go well. We've, uh, we've come a long way. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Um, Spirit's frequent flyer program is only worth one point eight billion or something like that. Uh, this is a low number, a surprisingly low number for a. a... I'm actually surprised it's that high. Really? So very few members, relatively speaking, and relatively not sticky as a program. Well, because it's not sticky as an airline, in my opinion. But I mean, I think what? I think people fly them once and they're like, yeah, never again. Nah, I think you're overestimating that. <laughs> well, that's my. I... Honestly, well, here's the thing, right? I, I did. The first time I flew Spirit was probably 13 or 14 years ago now. I'd have to go back and check. And I did think, one and done, I'm never doing that again. And then the, the airline changed. It really has switched things up. It's gotten more focused on on-time performance, although last summer was a bit of a mess. It's gotten, they've added the big front seat. They've done a lot of things. They've moved into business markets, not just leisure markets. They're running business-level frequencies in some of those markets. Again, all this before uh, pandemic times. But they really did change. They're in, they, were, they were in the middle of adding Wi-Fi. Mm. Admittedly, they picked probably the worst provider, and it didn't work, right? But Because it was a new product. And, but, and they charged $40 for a you know, three-hour flight or something. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, right? Listen, at the end of the day, it's cheap enough, and especially... Yeah, you know, I've the few times I've flown them recently, it's it's actually usually been a last minute ticket and buying the big front seat or buying two of them for me and my wife was cheaper than buying two coach tickets on anyone else on the same nonstop route. Yeah. Is that typically where you see the benefit is on the nonstops? If you're looking at, at connections, do they even offer that? They do. They do. They run connections. Uh, mostly, I mean, there's a bunch of places they run connections. But Fort Lauderdale on the East Coast, it's all through Fort Lauderdale to the Caribbean and Latin America. Okay. I mean, right, you can go, they have a huge footprint uh, down there. Hmm. Um, so, and on the West Coast, I mean, there's, they run connections through Dallas. They run connections through Las Vegas. They, they do, they do, they run a full network. Yeah. It's a, so what's, it's an interesting operation. So what's the benefits of their frequent flyer program? 
Anything? Oh, nothing. I mean, you, you get some points. They're like sort of cashish. It's very short expiration. That if you, I can't remember if it's with the credit card or with status or both. Like, there's a big multiplier if you can get there. Um, so if you if you do like if they work for you and you're commuting somewhere, like that's the other thing is if you had to commute back and forth between two cities and they serve that route, and especially like if you can leave a suitcase somewhere, mm-hmm. like why wouldn't you just take the cheap flight that runs all the time? Yeah. I have memories of people like commuting on Vueling or Ryanair between Spain and UK for work. Yeah. Right, literally could live in Spain on the weekends and commute to the UK for work and go back and forth. Yeah, and it was cheaper to buy the plane tickets and find you know cheap lodging in the UK than to have an apartment in London. Hmm. That's a good point for sure. Like if I guess if I was willing to live in, pain in the ass, but you know you can. I guess, point I, works. I guess if I was willing to live in Las Vegas and work in Portland, that would that would be okay. <laughs> Or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live in Portland and commute to Vegas for three nights a week. Yeah, sounds like what my normal week is anyway. <laughs> right. So I mean, yeah. But if you were if, if you were paying the airfare instead of someone else, that's true. I mean, it's very true. You might reconsider. I mean, and, and it's you know who matches and do you get enough status and do you fly other places too and all those other things. But yeah. I just the so the other thing to remember about the loyalty programs is that their value comes from data they collect about you, data they can resell about you, and getting other people to buy that based on thinking they can sell you things also. And so a lot of it comes down to who, what is the demographics of the spirit customer, especially the repeat customer that they have enough information about, and can they find the right partners to target with that information that they can sell it at a value, at a decent value. Mm. That's the big value. That's right. That's that's how the program is going to generate its revenue, not right selling points to co-brand selling points to partners it's all it's all those partner type transactions much more than oh look we made you know we convinced steven to fly us again so he spent another 38 dollars on a base fare yeah yeah so you just you think this is way more money i mean they've they've got more money than you thought in this program or it's worth more than you thought a little bit yeah yeah and i i I don't know how many members it is that's the other part that would be interesting like i'm i'm a member so i guess they've got me in there they have your blood type do you have to put that in when you book a ticket or anything (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but they do ask you if you want to be an organ donor. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Hey, you know. Making a terrible and awkward reference. And <laughs> I like it. I like it. If I cared about editing, I would remove that. That's in poor taste. Sorry. <laughs> so. Actually, you have a ter- tremendously good safety record. I don't even know why I went there. Yeah, yeah. I don't either. Um, I think that's where we should wrap it up. I, 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 <laughs> I think we should wrap about three minutes ago. Yeah. So, um, but I do want to mention to our listeners, we are considering and we're very seriously considering. I think we're pretty solid on this 99 percent yeah of having a live episode on september 9th on youtube uh september 9th which is a week from uh when this episode would uh yeah yesterday when this episode airs it'll be the third um we'll be doing the show at 8 30 p.m on eastern 8 30 p.m eastern daylight time uh on youtube uh, and we'll again push that push that link out on twitter and you know everywhere else so uh but be looking forward to that um yeah seth anything else no looking looking forward to next week redeem myself for terrible things i've said <laughs> every week you get a chance to do that it's like church yeah it's like church yeah you'd think i'd be better at it by <laughs> uh, and also as always for our patrons stick around uh we've got more exciting news coming up uh headed over to asia this time yeah thanks for listening happy travels maybe take care <laughs> maybe <laughs>